Hi, my name is Gloria, and welcome to Something to Share, the lifestyle podcast where I talk about my life, I talk about the ups and downs of being a Christian, I talk about the lessons and the blessings in order that we can grow together. I hope you enjoy this podcast. So today's podcast is going to be uh, intercession themed. I have been working on this for a long time. I have been uh, praying for how to put it together and let me just say, I'm not a preacher. I'm just a lover of Jesus. I live for the place of prayer and I just want to share with everyone. So that's why I have a podcast. And um, this topic on intercession is just so rich. There's so many resources, so many great books, which I'll mention towards the end. And I'm by no means an expert. I'm just somebody who's learned along the way and who's been blessed and humbled enough to have some really awesome seasoned intercessors uh, teach me and and speak into my life. And I just want to be able to share a little bit of that with you. This is most likely going to be a three-part series. So uh, part one is just kind of explaining what is intercession and um, much of how I learned from it uh, is kind of like I'm going to be comparing Old Testament, New Testament. And so, well, here we go. So uh, you might hear the word standing in the gap a lot and you might be saying like, why do they say that? What is an intercessor? Well, the scripture that I like to read is from Ezekiel 22:30, and it says, I look for someone who might rebuild the wall of righteousness that guards the land. I searched for someone to stand in the gap in the wall so I wouldn't destroy the land, but I found no one. And that's God, by the way. God is saying, I was looking for someone to stand in the gap so I wouldn't destroy the land. You know, God wanted to judge a nation, but yet he was looking for someone who would be willing to stand in the gap. One person, and he could find none. Now, this is uh, where we get the word intercession from, and the actual definition of intercede is the act of intervening on behalf of another. Now, the synonyms are to mediate, negotiate, plead, and conciliate, which is where we get the word like reconciliation, conciliate. And so intercession is different from prayer in a sense, and I'm not diminishing prayer. We need prayer, but there's just a difference in uh, prayer is whenever you request from God on behalf of yourself. I mean, you can pray, you know, for your family and stuff, but the point is, is that prayers often revolve around yourself an intercession is an act of kind of getting in the middle. You're, you're placing yourself right in the middle on behalf of someone else or somewhere else or something. Intercession is selfless. It transcends self because it, it's whenever God's agenda becomes greater than your own. It's whenever you put God's purpose before your own plans and it's a selfless act. So there's, there's the difference between intercession and prayer. And um, the word actually, where it says the act of intervening, the word intervene means 
to come between as to prevent or alter a result or a course of events. When you intervene in intercession, you're coming between and you can alter a course of events. And I thought that was amazing because if you find an intercessor in the Bible, you're going to find someone who altered a course of events. Uh, Dutch Sheets, who is like one of the earlier books I read, has a book called Intercessory Prayer. And he talks about, you know, he gets into the actual root words and meanings and he uses that word as a go-between. And that's what an intercessor is. They come between. They stand between God and another person or a nation or whoever they're interceding, you know, before. And a perfect Old Testament example of that is Moses. Because we see in the wilderness, like the minute that God delivered them, they were constantly upsetting God because they're like, uh, he just brought us in this wilderness to die. God hates us. And they were in just constantly complaining and we should have been in Egypt. It didn't matter that they were enslaved. They were willing to go back into bondage just for some food. I mean, come on. And so it says that, you know, God's anger would wax hot. And it says that Moses would intervene. He would intercede on the people and say, God, these are your people. You brought them out of Egypt. And Moses, he was willing to let God's wrath fall on him that God might spare the nation. And that is amazing. That's just like one of of many examples of an intercessor. And so um, when I was looking up intercession, how I had kind of learned about it in my own studying in the Old Testament was that intercession was normally done by the priests. The first time we see a priest um, is Melchizedek when he when he comes out of nowhere and, and blesses Abraham. <coughs> and after that, we see an actual um, priesthood established after God brings the Israelites out of Egypt. And the priesthood, uh, it couldn't just be anybody... It had to be um, the Levites. They were the tribe that was chosen by God. And only they had the responsibility of setting up the tabernacle and, and doing priestly responsibilities. And a high priest was chosen by God, and that was Aaron, could only... I don't want to go like too much into that, but the high priest was even like above all the priests and they had the responsibility once a year to go before God in the Holy of Holies, only the high priest, anyone else who tried to take that responsibility would be, would die instantly. So in the old Testament, the priesthood had the responsibility of interceding for the people. They would do sacrifices, which was, you know, the old Testament way of forgiveness. Uh, They sought the priests for direction and the priests were responsible for blessing people. And now that was the Old Testament. Um, In Exodus 30, 1 through 10, we see uh, a pattern for an altar. It was a golden altar and it was called the incense altar. Now the tabernacle in the wilderness was made up of like three components. There was the outer court there was an inner court and then there was the holy of holies 
which had a veil before it, no one could go there except the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement. Now, the golden incense altar was placed directly in front of the veil, and the priest had a responsibility to that incense had to keep burning. They would take coals off of um, a different altar, and those coals would make the incense. And this incense, since it was before the veil where the Holy of Holies was, this incense would eventually flow through the veil and enter the Holy of Holies. And that's like an Old Testament picture of intercession. In the Bible, incense is symbolic of the prayers of God's people. And we can read that in uh, Revelation 8. We see that uh, it says that the incense would rise. In Psalm, oh, Revelation 5.8, it says there's golden bowls stored in heaven. And that the incense is the prayers of God's people. In Psalm 141, verse 2, David says, Let my prayers arise like incense. So that smoke that would just kind of rise up was a symbolic of, of prayers and intercession. So in the Old Testament, that, inter- that altar had to continually be burning, that incense daily. And that's symbolic of a... Well, we'll get into the New Testament, but that's symbolic of of our prayers constantly going before God. In um, Hebrews 5, 1 through 4, and Hebrews 9, 12. Oh, wait, you know what? I'm going to get into that in a minute. I'm going to stick on the Old Testament for now. So, like I said, it was the priests who carried the responsibility for intercession. No one else had that just the priests because they had been set apart for God. They couldn't uh, do the things like that all the other Israelites could do. They had to live a certain way. They had to abide by a different set of rules. And so that's the Old Testament picture. And like I said, only the high priest was allowed to go into the Holy of Holies once a year. So I read this scripture um, in the beginning from Ezekiel 22.30, where he says, I look for someone who might stand in the gap, but I found no one. So that led me to ask a question. And my question was, why was no one there to stand in the gap if they had the priesthood back then? They also had prophets back then. Prophets, uh, many prophets in the Bible acted as intercessors like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel. And so that was my question. Like, God, why would you need someone to stand in the gap if you had the priesthood? Well, I looked up a commentary on it because it just really got my mind thinking. And this is from Brown's Bible Commentary. And it says, uh, the wall, where he says it might stand on the wall is an image, like facing the wall was an image of leading people to repentance. And that's what the priesthood's job was in the Old Testament. And he says they might stand in the gap. That's interceding between the people and God. But I found none. Okay, so not that there was not a righteous man in the city, because Jeremiah was there, Baruch was there, but in Jeremiah 11.14, 
Jeremiah had been forbidden by God to pray for the people because he was going to pour out his wrath. None now of the godly, knowing the desperate state of the people and God's purpose, he was willing to interpose between God's wrath and he found none. That is, among those enumerated as guilty of such sins. So when I was reading that, again, God aside, he couldn't find anyone to stand in the gap. And so I was wondering, well, like, what about the priesthood? Well, during this time of Ezekiel, the priesthood had become corrupted. This is why they could not intercede. And it explains it. You have to go through it in Ezekiel. I didn't write the verse down, but it explains it. And then in Malachi 2, uh, if you read Malachi 2, 1 through 9, he's the, the beginning verses of the chapter are a strong rebuke against the priesthood. And verse 8 says, You priests have left God's paths. Your instructions have caused many to stumble into sin. So the priests were supposed would always talk about holiness and instead they fell into sin and instead of leading people into repentance they were leading people away from God and we know that during this time there were many false prophets too that were way off and so this is why God was looking for an intercessor now this is the, the old testament and so I always like to find something in the new that relates to the old to kind of bring them together because the old testament is a fulfillment of the new and so in the old testament uh, there was a priesthood the select people that god had chosen for that specific task for intercession among many other things in first peter uh two five and six it says that you know, we are a priesthood before God. We are God's people. Remember, we're chosen out of darkness into the marvelous light. So in the New Testament, Christians have become a part of the priesthood. In the Old Testament, only the high priest had access to the Holy of Holies, and that was only once a year. But in the New Testament, it says that Christ is the high priest. Hebrews 2.9 and Hebrews is a great book to read if you want to look at the picture of Christ as the intercessor I really really recommend that you read Hebrews so Hebrews 2.9 Hebrews 2.17 I am trying to find it while I'm talking Hebrews 2.9 Hebrews 2.17 and Hebrews uh, 4 oh goody I found it okay well I'm going to read I'm going to read 217. Okay. Therefore, it was necessary for him to be made in respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people. Since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he is able to help us when we are being tested. Okay, so this is talking about Jesus. Remember, uh, in the Old Testament, the priesthood had to offer sacrifices for forgiveness. Now, that was done away with. And it had to be done away with because the priesthood became corrupted. So, God brings Jesus into play. 
And now we don't have the priesthood anymore because, you know, Jesus takes the place of he is the intercessor and we become a part of the priesthood. So, okay, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Okay, so this is talking about Jesus, the high priest. So then, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Okay, right there. So Jesus is the high priest and because of what he went through, he understands when we're weak. And what I love about that is verse 16. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. In the Old Testament, if anybody went near the Holy of Holies, they were struck dead. Okay? But in the New Testament, we can come before the throne of God with boldness. I mean, in the beginning, that was like, God, how, how can I be so bold in front of a holy God? Well, the answer is Jesus. Remember, there was a veil before the entrance of the Holy of Holies. And when Jesus died on the cross, it says that that veil was torn in half. We weren't separated from God anymore because of Jesus. And now he is the intercessor. He pleads and prays for us. Hebrews 7.25 says, he, that's Jesus, is able to save those to the uttermost, that means no matter how far off they are, who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for us. He lives to make intercession. So again, it talks about Jesus' place. He lives to make intercession. And um, on, on earth as well, Jesus, we see uh, intercession in his life. In John 17, he's, I, I just love the gospel of John. I love it all, but I love the gospel of John because it's just so personal and intimate. And in John 17, uh, Jesus is, it's a whole prayer. It's like a whole prayer. And he's praying for his disciples because he knows that he's about to go to the cross. And I just love that. And in John 17, John 17, 22, Jesus is praying for the ones who, is, who are going to believe in him. It, okay, I'm sorry, it's, it's John 17, 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but for all who will ever believe in me through the message. That blew my mind. Over 2,000 years ago, Jesus interceded for you and me before he went to the cross. I am praying for all who will ever believe in me. There's people that Jesus prayed for that haven't even accepted him yet, but he's already prayed for them because he knows that they're going to believe his message. Mind-blowing. Oh man, that's so awesome. But that was Jesus modeling that life. So this, you see the difference with Old Testament intercession and New Testament intercession. And there's a, a scripture. Oh, okay, okay. It's 2 Timothy. Uh, oh, no, 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 I'm lying. It's 1 Timothy 
chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. And somebody brought this to my attention because they had a question about intercession. And so, um, in 1 Timothy 1 and 2, it's talking about making prayers for all people and interceding on their behalf. It gives you the actual word, intercede on their behalf. You know, interceding on behalf of another person. And then um, in verse 5, it says, For there is one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. And that is absolutely true. Um, When I first gave my life to the Lord, um, they taught against intercession. You know, they they didn't believe in fivefold. They felt it was unnecessary. It, It had been done away with. And so they used this scripture to say, Oh, there's people who call themselves intercessors, and an intercessor is a mediator, but the Bible says there's one mediator, and his name is Christ Jesus. And I agree with the scripture, because, okay, I agree with the scripture, but I don't agree that we don't need intercessors. That's where we differ. Now, when it says there's one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, that's Christ Jesus. I 100% believe that. No one can do what Jesus did. It's finished. It's done. Yes, he reconciled us to God, and only Jesus could do that. However, uh, they use the scripture to say, well, you know, God doesn't need a mediator. He has Jesus. But the Bible says that we are called to be like Christ. I could not find the scripture, and I didn't write it down, where Paul is saying that we are to be imitators of Christ. And if Christ lived his life in intercession and praying for others, then why, why shouldn't we be? And, um, okay, in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says that we are called to be co-laborers with Christ. We are, there's a uh, translation that says we are co-workers in God's service. When you intercede and when you stand in the gap on behalf of another, you are co-laboring with Christ in intercession. And that's amazing to me. I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I think like, God, why would you want to labor with someone like me? Like, it just blows my mind how how merciful and how good God is. But when you intercede, you co-labor with Christ. We're called to imitate Christ. We're seated in heavenly places with Christ. And we're called to co-labor with him. So yes, I believe that call to intercession still stands for today. And when we intercede... It's through the Holy Spirit. Uh, we have to read all of Romans what, 8, 18 through 27. And it says that the Holy Spirit helps us when we don't know what to pray. One of the titles of Holy Spirit is Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper. And that word is what? Parakletos. And it means advocate. One who pleads a case before a judge. Again, That's an act of intercession. We're pleading before God. And another uh, title for the Holy Spirit was an advocate. To intercede is to advocate. So whenever we intercede, the Holy Spirit comes in to pray with us. And so um, I just wanted to to do this and kind of clarify a little bit. I believe that we are all called to intercede according to that scripture that I read in 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, where he says, pray 
and intercede. I believe all Christians are called to intercede. Now, somebody asked me a question and they said, if we all intercede, are we all intercessors? And I wasn't sure how to say that. So I figured I'd make this podcast and kind of break that down. I believe that we are all called to intercede. However, I believe it's God who calls the intercessor. Um, I believe it's God who calls. And I believe that because he doesn't force us, we we always have a choice to say yes or no, that it's going to be up to us to accept the call because intercession is definitely like a lifestyle. It's it's. It's something, it's costly, it, it, I'm going to, this is exactly why I'm going to be doing other podcasts on intercession, but uh, for someone to be called, I believe it's God who issues the call just like he does um, for anything else. And um, it's a call into ministry. And when I say ministry, let me just demystify that. That's just a fancy word for service. You're serving other people. An intercessor serves God in prayer. A pastor serves the sheep. An evangelist serves the lost. You know, so an intercessor serves God in prayer. They minister to God in prayer. And uh, on the next podcast, I'm going to be giving some signs and maybe some ways to recognize if you're called into the ministry of intercession. And uh, so that's my little podcast on intercession. Oh, okay, let me, if you're interested in this topic, do your research. There, I mean, if you're interested in this, if you're hearing this because you've had questions, then obviously there's something in you that's kind of like resonating with you. But do your research, find respected leaders, as always, get into the word and study it in the Bible. Ask Holy Spirit, you know, Jesus said he would teach you all things. Ask Holy Spirit to teach you about intercession. Um, read, study on the information. Uh, my, one of my first books, um, was from Cindy Jacobs called Possessing the Gates of the Enemy, and it's on intercession. Um, I also read Dutch Sheets Intercessory Prayer, and it's a great book, and he gets really deep, so that's another great book. A book that that changed my life, and this woman just went to be with the Lord a few days ago, and my heart was like, oh, even though I never knew her, you know, we're, I guess, brothers and sisters in the Lord, I, I felt connected, but her name was Elizabeth Owls. And she never called herself an intercessor, but she wrote a book called Becoming a Prayer Warrior. And that book changed my life. Oh, it was so good. I highly recommend you read that book. It's on Kindle or you can find it on Amazon used even. But her book goes so deep on intercession. And uh, she has a ton of terrific books to read she co-authored and because that was her heart most of the books you're going to find from Elizabeth Owls are on intercession and she is a great resource so yeah study get into the word 
if you feel like you have been called, I mean, you really take that before the Lord and ask him. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Stay tuned for part two, where I'm going to be listing signs if you're called to be an intercessor. Bye.